Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first Coffee Club subscription. Black Rifle Coffee. Also, just want to say a big thank you to our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings, hand-built in the USA since 2006. Amazing customer service, awesome quality and performance. Their Platinum Series strings are what we all run on our bows. We absolutely love them. Go and create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino and Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail and Featherlight knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, functional but unique designs, coupled with his precise leather work, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out over at SheaButlerKnives.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Before we get into this episode, I want to share with you a few discount codes that will help you save some money and get ready for the upcoming hunting season. The Elk Collective is the virtual elk hunting resource with tons of videos and information to get you ready to chase elk this upcoming season. Use code podcast and save $30 today at the elkcollective.com. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. New things are on the horizon, so use code ANTLERUP to save 25% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 90, and on today's episode, Dimitri and I have Baker Levitt on the show. We had a blast talking about all things hunting and more. Baker is a very successful businessman, but also got things done on the gridiron, in the weight room, and especially out there chasing some elk, muleys, and whitetails. Baker tells us some awesome hunting stories and just keeps things real. We shared a ton of laughs, and it was awesome to hear some of the memories that Baker has been able to make. So sit back, enjoy this fun episode, and antler up. So you guys live in Pennsylvania. Yep, just right outside of Penn State University. Are y'all Penn State fans? Yeah, so I'm an alumni, two degrees from there. And Dimitri, you tell your background. Because actually, you two both play football, so it'll be... Yeah, so uh, I work for Penn State Sports Medicine in State College. 
Okay. And but you went to Edinburgh. Yeah, I went to the University of Maryland my first year of college, played football there, and then transferred to Edinburgh University and played the rest of my uh, college football there. Yeah, dude, I learned, like, on the third day of college football that I wasn't that good. (laughs) I'm serious, man. Like, I learned, like, it's interesting, um, you know, like – I have a ton of respect for people that, you know, played a sport in college, at least took that step just to kind of see what that is like. Um, Because like you think you're good and like you get to college and you're like, Oh, okay. That's, this is what good is. Oh fuck. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Right on. I'm wasting everybody's fucking time here. You know, like, um, yeah, dude, it was an eye opening experience, man. Like just, like and like, like I grew up uh, in in Savannah, Georgia, on the coast, and Georgia's one of the top four states in the country for Division One athletes. Yep. Like per capita, believe it or not, it's actually number one. And um, but w- the little pocket that I grew up in in the coast, like it just it, it's it wasn't at that level. Like we didn't have a ton of D one talent, and um, I was always the fastest guy on the field. And being the fastest guy on the field in sports is the most amazing thing in the world because like you can get away with a lot of mistakes, but the downside to being the fastest guy on the field is that you don't have to learn the X's and O's of the game. Right. You're just playing. Matter. You're just balling. Your tolerance, your tolerance windows like this, like you can do all kinds of screwed up shit and still fucking score, which is, I, I mean, I remember one time we were playing, I think maybe we were playing country day or something at Groves high school or Groves stadium, Westside stadium. And I think I, I ran a punt back, but I cut back like 45 yards and like ended up getting like seven clipping calls. Um, just the dumbest stuff, dude, you could ever imagine. But um, yeah, no, dude, uh, college. And, and, then, and then you learn like how serious it is. Yeah, it's like a job. No, oh God, you have no free time, like morning workouts and then class and then practice and study hall. And like, you, you know, you don't you don't have any exposure to anything. Like, Well, I mean, you got tons of exposure to everything, but like you just want to run wild, you know, like, and then, you know, one thing I was actually talking to a buddy of mine, Michael that played baseball at Georgia today. And, um, I really got to experience, cause like I grew up in like, I went to private schools my whole life. All right. Okay. Like I, you know, I, I had it pretty easy. I'll admit. <laughs> um, and, um, I, ex- I met people that came from poverty, like extreme poverty, you know? Yeah. And it was really cool to see what, how much of a positive impact stability has on people's lives. Like, for example, like knowing they weren't going to get evicted, knowing the power wasn't going to get turned off, knowing they had a, a roof over their head for 12 months. Okay. And they didn't have to worry about anybody losing their job or any of that stuff, you know, like the bills were going to be paid. There was food to eat three, four times a day, and they were, you were part of something. And, like, that has a profound impact on people. And a lot of people just don't realize that. Like, you know. Um, well, how many people, a, too? Like, think how many people, too, are so talented and, like, with the physical tool, tools, and they don't end up mounting to anything because they're, they're not used to that even. Or what about the guys that have those tools and don't want to play football anymore? Yeah. David Jackson, Todd Williams, Todd Williams could stand beside me right now and jump up. Am I allowed to say cuss words? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. 
He could jump up and put his dick on that ceiling. <laughs> yeah. He was six, seven, he ran a four, four, two. His hands were that big. You could throw water at him and he could catch it all. I just don't understand uh, how someone could be six, seven and run a four, four, two, like super skinny, super skinny, poor as fuck. First time I ever saw food stamps in my life. He had, he had some, uh, he offered me something to give him a ride. And I was like, one, I don't know what that is. And two, shut up, man. You're my friend. Get in the car. Yeah. Um, and yeah, dude, like I saw some guys do some amazing stuff. Like David Jackson was the Georgia state triple A offensive player of the year. I think his first four touches were touchdowns in college and left after the third game, wanted to go home back to Henry County and work in a, in the town mill. Like he just didn't want to play football. Yeah. And then you, and then you see, you know, another thing I learned, you see how important the, the mother role is in certain situations. Like there's mm-hmm. dudes that were so home, so homesick that they would cry themselves to sleep at night because they missed their mama or their grandma. And that wasn't you. No. <laughs> uh, no, that's that I, I, I see it too though, Baker, because I'm I'm our varsity baseball head coach at our the yeah. high school that I teach at. And right. I we have a kid that is a sophomore right now at Virginia Tech, loved the kid to death, and he had a phenomenal freshman year. Uh, but man, like in high school, he struggled a little bit and he'll be the first to admit it. Like he had that talent. He was probably our most athletic kid. What and, position is he? Uh he's center field. Uh he has a can baseball hold on a minute. Baseball yeah. is weird. Yeah, it is. Like baseball's really weird. Mm-hmm. Like my, my, one of my best friends, Michael Howell was a three time all American at Georgia and he played for the Cubs and the Marlins. And, um, like baseball is an odd thing. It's like, you don't have to be the best team. You just got to be the best team at the right time. Yeah. And like gelling and letting guys work through stuff. Cause like, and you, no one's going to let you work through a bad game in football. Like if you're an offensive lineman and the quarterback's getting eaten up, cause okay. they're not going to let you just work through it. Like they do in baseball, you know, yep. he's just in a slump. It's like, Hey man, yep. come be in a slump on the sidelines. Yep. But they do. Baseball is a weird thing, man. Like it's, it is an odd, odd game. And there's guys that like, I think one of the, imagine this, imagine being the best in little league, the best in high school, the best in college, and then getting drafted and getting to the minors, and then you're just not good enough. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, you're just okay. And you end your career not as a failure, but kind of as a failure. Like yeah. if you if you line it out in black and white based on your track record, mm-hmm. like as a baseball player, like you are the best when you were little, you're the best in middle school, you're the best in high school, the best in college, you get drafted, and it's just like, all right, bro, see you later. See you, you later. Know? And it just, it's just, I can only imagine. Yeah, like, we just, actually, there's two kids that, uh, that were in our conference that are actually down on Georgia. They're two cousins, um, mm-hmm. two studs. They played on that Little League World, well, one of them played on the Little League World Series team what i mean that would be six years ago now uh from our pennsylvania they ended up playing the the you know japan like six years ago and he he's a stud they're they're two of them are studs and they're playing uh luke who is uh he is a sophomore this year down there and he he put up some numbers last year as a freshman he played in the field but then he would come around and be their friday or saturday night starter for pitching i mean kids kids a stud since we're talking about baseball uh, two things. One, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, was a Little League World Series champion. Okay. That's kind of cool. And then if you look at the current state of the media in this country, mm-hmm. uh, are you hearing that, that T-shirt right there, the black one? 
Um, if you look at the current state of the media in this country, so like when I was in college, that was when Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire were having the home run race. Yep. It was everywhere. Yep. We right now have arguably the greatest baseball player in the history of the game playing, and they're not even talking about him. Shoei Otani. Oh, yeah. Like, Unbelievable. He's 2-5 ERA, leads the majors in home runs. He pitches, starting pitcher, all-star pitcher, DHs, and they'll go throw his ass in center field too. Yep. And just hits bombs. Nukes them. Like, Nukes them. And no, let me cover this slide. And no yep. one, they don't, like, they're just not talking about it. And it just, it's like, that's some positive stuff that, like, that cover the country it. needs. Yeah. You know what I mean? It. Exactly. I know what you mean, man. Trust me. I, I, I know. And, uh, I mean, Dimitri, when you're saying about being like the biggest, you know, kid and fastest kid, uh-huh. I mean, Dimitri went to, he, he's two years younger than me, went to total different high school, but where we live currently, this is where uh-huh. he played. And I just like, I see him now and you were bigger probably when you played mm-hmm. and he and I talked about this last year when we were going out scouting and, I'm, and I just said, man, what I see outside my door, because I live right by the football field, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine being on it being because he was a fullback and a linebacker. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine want, having him come and running at me at this size of a school because it's a very small school. Right. I, I mean, these kids probably you probably killed them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and but I do think we talk about college fo- uh, football and, and sports being negative, but you know, I, you look back at it, and I know that I could have, you know done more things that I enjoyed like hunting and fishing and, 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 and things of that nature. But, you know, I, I never regret it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's okay to fail, right? You know, how many life lessons or how, the work ethic that you developed while you were going through this, right? You, you know, you're not the greatest and best in life, right? You know, but you learn that through yeah. college sports, right? And it kind of sucked where you did it, but you know, there's a lot of life lessons you learn and you kind of, you know, hit life, you know, right against the wall and, and realize that if you want something, you got to work for it, you know? And then also you learn that just cause you want it doesn't mean you're good enough for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's like the movie Rudy. I hate that movie. I can't stand <laughs> it. I hate, I, I hate that movie because it empowers people. Like I know those type of people like Rudy. And it's like, did you really help? Were you a distraction? Like, were you really a positive impact? You know, like you're a little mm-hmm. short fuck, you know, and you want to play football at Notre Dame and like, Hey bro, not everybody's good enough. Right. And you aren't good enough. However, you hung around and you were a pain in the ass and you nailed suddenly got in for one play. Yeah. <laughs> like two plays or whatever, man. Right. But like, you know, it just, I don't like that movie, man. But you know, here's another thing, man. Um, it, it shows a pattern. So like, you know, you'll see a lot of people that are like, you know, must have a four-year degree. Why is that important? Mm-hmm. Colleges, I think, I personally think college is a waste of time. However, if you start it, you need to finish it. Because when they say you need a four-year degree, all they're doing is basically saying you're showing that you have the ability to start a task and, and complete it. that task. Yeah. So here's a really good example. Show me a Mormon that graduated from law school and the CIA will hire him tomorrow. Who's an Eagle scout. The CIA will hire him tomorrow without interviewing him. He has the job. So anybody that's an Eagles, a Mormon Eagle scout that graduated from law school, the CIA has a job for you. 
Because think about it for a second. So Mormons, they go on missions. They get told to fuck off 400 times a day and they bebop along and just go to the next house. All right, partner, see you later. Not, not, not. Fuck you. Oh, have a good day, sir. Next house. When they're, 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 when the train leaves the tracks, they're not, they're not deviating from the tracks. When the train leaves the station, they're staying on it. Eagle Scout, ability to start a task that's complicated and complete it at an early age. Right. But, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and like when I was up, it's like, oh, you're a Boy Scout, you're a nerd. It's like, well, actually, not really. They're kind of cool. Um, same with college, law school. It, it just, it's, it's, it's a pattern of life that shows you you will start a task and you will take it to completion, even even when they're challenging. But here's what here's yeah. what here's the cool thing though, Baker. You got a, a pretty badass shirt on. I haven't seen that one uh, online yet. This one, yeah, yeah, that one's nice. Yeah, so, dude, the super dope one is the blue one, and then the olive green one. Yeah. Um, so here's how you get stuff like this. If you are a member of the Black Rifle Coffee Club, yep, you get that early. You, you get the early discount on it. Yeah, I know. I yeah. spend too much money on that. Yeah, but also you, you get free shipping <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. You get a bunch of great stuff. Also, don't you guys have a discount code? Yeah, we use use code Antler, and you'll save twenty percent. Yeah, uh, there you yeah. go. You just save money. I mean, life is good. Life is. But good. um, yeah, no, this is a great shirt. It's a great company to work for. Um, I absolutely love it. I leave. I would be wearing the blue one, but I'm uh, I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah, what do you got going on? Explain that one, because I know like I know when you and I, and I kind of think I know where you're going, but you explain on that. Are you going for big, big uh, bull elk? Big bull elk. Yeah, talk Real about big. it. Let's talk. Let's hear it. So I'm going to fly out to Denver tomorrow, and then Friday morning I land at like ten at night. I got upgraded to first class, both legs of my trip. I mean, both legs of my flight. Nice. Super happy about that. Uh, was starting out in the bank, starting off with a bang. And then um, I've got, uh, I land in Denver tomorrow night, get a hotel, good night's sleep, hopefully, but I don't sleep well at altitude. I just, you know, I wake up at five and I'm wide awake. Uh, but then I'm driving down to Trinidad, Colorado, Friday morning. And at noon, I'll be pulling into the Hills Ranch, which is in Southern Colorado. The property actually borders the New Mexico border. Okay. And um, I'm hunting with my buddies. Uh, Ike Eastman from Eastman's Hunting Journal, and uh, one of the winners from their hunt giveaway. So, like, I'm like, I've killed like I think I'm on like elk six, and like I have a golden horseshoe shoved up my ass <laughs> when it comes to elk. I've never killed like a whopper. Okay. I haven't, but I always kill an elk on the first day, and like the first five are with my bow. Like first day, no clue what I was doing, and here's the best part. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know why? Because my elk hunting experiences have been so limited because they've all happened on the first day. My first elk, I killed him the first afternoon at 501. Georgia was playing Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame. Um, I hate Rudy. I hate Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> so do we. <laughs> I really can't stand that program. They're, they're fuck those guys. Um, and then uh, the next year, uh, Jamie and I went into the subway Bitterroot up in Idaho first morning. 7.15, wrong one up. Um, next year, shot one in uh, the Motherwell Ranch first afternoon in Colorado, a little raghorn. Um, and then last year, I was in New Mexico. And I got a cow up the year after that. And then last year, I was in New Mexico um, uh, down there. And that was the first time I ever used a rifle. Okay. 
And every elk I've ever killed, I've killed with like one arrow. Which one did like, you like? What you know? I mean, because they're only a, a day hunt, but you know, going from the gun to the bow, which one kind of got the the rocks off? I had to shoot that bastard six times to kill him with the rifle. Yeah, he goes, keep shooting him until he falls down. I was like, all right, man. Boom! 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 <laughs> um, don't shoot him in the shoulder. Shit! Sorry. Yeah. You just shot him in the back leg. You know, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, the the bow, just way more intimate, way up close and personal. Um, so what you're saying is you're just like our buddy Weston. He moved from, oh man, where did he go? He came from PA, went to Indiana, in, Indiana from PA to Utah, okay. and his first year out there bull elk second year out there bull elk then he started like hey i'm gonna go over to colorado because i live right over here bull elk last year was the first year that he was skunked in colorado in five years yeah but he we hit one he didn't recover that's right he hit one didn't recover this year opening day within the first hour hour put a bull down in colorado that's great yeah so the key key to elk hunting is hunting broadside elk and okay. like be willing to, cause like the elk, the, I'm, I'm a whitetail guy. I'm, I grew up in Georgia and I've shot hundreds of those things, um, over 30, over the past three years. Um, but like I've, the elk experience is like nothing I've, is there's nothing compares to it. Um, I mean, it's, it's completely wild. We have yet um, to, Demetri and I have yet to do one. We did mule deer last year, which I hope we could get to your mule deer story this year. Yeah. That's, that's a cool, cool looking buck that you got already, but we're the wrong buck. Yeah. We're, we're itching to, to go out for, for, for some elk someday. So the, so it, that's one of the things with, with, with Western hunting is people, they don't, it's like, so you're a whitetail guy. You're an East coaster. That's what I am. And yep. like the, the most meaningful elk hunt I ever did was my first one. I was by myself. The Georgia Notre Dame game, it, it just kicked off. Okay. We were, um, and like I was roaming, I couldn't get a cell service. I was sitting on a, on a, uh, on a wallow and I was like, you know, I'm just going to sit here. It's a Suchi mama cow call. And <coughs> when an elk walks up, I'm going to pretend it's a big ass deer and I'm going to shoot it in the lungs. I think that's an effective strategy. Mm-hmm. And sure shit, man, like a few minutes later, that that's what happened. But, um, you know, the, so, so to us, like the whole concept of elk hunting and going and hunting like public land in a Western state is just really a foreign concept. I mean, it's actually quite easy. So that year, there's this thing, non-resident, any elk tag in Utah. It's $393. Wow. It's the best kept secret in all the hunting world. No one knows about it. No one talks about it. I talk about it. Yeah. I tell everybody. Yeah. So I shot my elk um, where you can see the uh, bobsled track in Park City. Like that, you, there's, there's plenty of units that aren't trophy bull units that that elk tag works. And it's any elk. It's archery. It is a bull, a spike, a cow, a calf. It doesn't matter. Right. And I tell people like, dude, just go out there. And like, remember when you first started deer hunting, you didn't give a shit if it was a buck or a doe. You just wanted to bust something's ass. <laughs> yep. I'm still that way. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Um, like 100%. Um, but like that, you just got to go do it, man. Like you just go, and you'll realize like when you get there, and it, once you see your first elk in the wild, then you're like, I think I can do this, man. And you just play the wind 
and you don't have to be as quiet, you know, as you do for like whitetail, like whitetail, like you can't, I mean, you can't do anything, but elk are huge and they make a lot of noise and they move to the brush. Um, and it's just, I don't know, man, it's fun. Like I, I shot that elk, my first elk, 30 yards. And like, I, so I'm sitting at this wallow and I hear this noise. I've never heard nature. I'm like, man, what is that? That's a, like, what, like, what is that fucking noise? And I was like, well, I'm going to go find out. So I knocked an arrow and just kind of eased down this meadow. And it kind of descended down a little bit. And I got to the end of it and I looked to my right and there's this massive cow moose. And I was like, well, that, that's what should have been, that's what was making that noise was that cow moose. And then I was like, and well, what I'm telling you right now happened in about two minutes. No, 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 no. 10 seconds. Jeez. I get to where I stop. I look to my right. I see this count. I'm like, okay, that's what was making all that ruckus. That, that wasn't a wallow. That was a wallow. That's what that noise was. It was splashing water. And then I was like, wait a minute, that thing's dry. And then I was like, what a silly animal. But because their front shoulders are higher than their back hands, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as I looked in front of me, I see G1s that are 16 inches long. And I see an elk coming up over this hill to me. And I'm like, and he's, he is, listen to me. When I say this, I'm not kidding he is soaked in mud and water. Like, I mean, dude, this thing is like gray, black, brown. Like I was like, what the fuck, you know? And I, and I was like, Oh my God, that's an elk. And he's right in front of me. And I'm, he's in, he's in range, but there was this massive hardwood that had fallen at the base of the meadow. And so he hit the, hit that tree and he hung up my, he went to my left, his right. He walked down the tree line. And I was like, the only shot I have is if he stops between those two hardwoods. Okay. And that was 33 yards away. Not only did he stop, he opened up his shoulder five degrees to me. And I sent an arrow through both lungs and it hit the inside of his outside shoulder. And the arrow bounced back out. And he took off running, double lunged it. Listen, I mean, listen to me. And I, I'm sitting there and I was like, oh my God, I just shot an elk. And I looked down at my right leg shaking. I don't get the quakes. And I just pulled my phone out and recorded my leg shake. And I was like, what am I doing? This is so stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, and I, like, dude, I, like, I, I've hunted on four continents in like twenty something states. I hunt a lot, and I always go with friends. Mm-hmm. So I like to celebrate with friends and all that stuff. And like, I found myself in a weird situation. I'm sitting here in the middle of the mountains of Utah by myself, and I just shot an elk. And I'm just like, well, what? The, well, what do I do? I guess. And then I started thinking about like hunting television. I was like, oh, I'm gonna sit here for like forty five minutes to two hours and wait, and then I'll go tracking. And then I thought. About 10 seconds later, I was like, well, I'll just walk over to where he was and see if the arrow's there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I go from 45 minute wait to like, let me just walk over there and see what happened. <laughs> and the whole time, like you've got like all this self doubt in you. Like you're like, I'm gut shot. I missed him. I gut shot him. I went back and forth between complete miss and gut shot walking at 35 yards a hundred times. And I get to where he was, where I thought he was standing. And I'm like, well, fuck, there's no arrow. I missed him. And then I looked to my left and it looked like a haunted house of blood. He cut a path through the woods. There was blood eight feet in the air. I am, oh, I, listen me, I am not <laughs> kidding you. This looked like a Stephen King, like, <laughs> like midnight Shyamalan, like horror gore film. A two year old could attract this thing. Yep. And so remember I said he was covered in mud. Like, like, dude, there was mud falling off his horns. 
But when, when, I, when he first came over that hill, I looked, I saw G1s, and I went shooting this bull, and I didn't look at his rack again. I never once looked at his horns. And so I tracked him through the woods about 85 yards. And then I got to, like, a clearing. Like, you know, like when you enter a power line? Like mm-hmm. just, yep. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it looked like. But it wasn't a power line. And um, I was like, well, he's gut shot because – all I see is this little drop of dark blood, you know, like just yeah. literally walked through a hundred quarts of blood. Okay. And I then convinced myself that he, I gut shot him and he was going to make it. And I had fucked this whole thing up. And then like, I was like, shit, like, let me, let me backtrack. And like, dude, like when I say backtrack, I walked like 10 feet through like an exterminator spraying a can of blood. I was like, I'm being a dumbass. Like, and so then like, I was like, all right, wait a minute, this, this motherfucker's dead. Where is he? And then I was like, well, maybe he got to this part and stopped. He wasn't running anymore. And right. I was like, Oh fuck, there he is. So he's just, there he is. He's right there. 10 feet, 10 feet away. And, um, that at that moment of all the things that I have and will continue to accomplish in this lifetime. And I, I, I will toot my horn and say, I've done a lot of really cool stuff. I've accomplished some, some really envious stuff. Um, um, I've had some epic failures too, but, um, I was like, no one can ever take this away from me. I am a Southerner. I came out West and I killed an elk with a bow. And that, that to me, no matter what I shoot at the Hill Ranch, knock on, knock on wood, knock on wood, um, knock on wood, nothing will duplicate the first one. Yeah. Here's a legit, here's a five by six. Here's a damn fun bull. Well, that's really awesome nice too. Like you said, you, that you normally are hunting with your friends and this is one you went out by yourself and you got it done. Yeah. Um, and then, so I get connected with my buddy, Eli, he comes and helps me clean it and all that stuff. And like, uh, and I remember George was playing Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame. And, um, <laughs> I'm getting texts from my brother throughout this whole process. And like, <laughs> we're winning, they're winning. We're the worst team in the world. God, Georgia sucks. Like, this is a, like, oh, my God, we're going to lose. And then, like, oh, my God, we're kicking their ass. Like, and, and like, I don't know what's what because the texts are coming in out of, out of whack. And then, yeah. so my buddy, my buddy was like, hey, man, like, I'm going to, we're just a ridge over. I'm going to go back and sit with my daughter for this last, you know, hour of shooting. Like, we'll hike it out together. So we go and he dumps his pack and then goes and gets with his daughter. And so I just sat there and, like, I'm, trying to follow what's going on in the Georgia game. All right. And like, I'm just like, I'm on cloud nine, dude. Like that's like, I don't know. It's just like this huge, like like monkey off your back, like relief. Like I did it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that any level of success, like it, it, it's, it's addictive. Like, okay, I've had success doing this. I did it once. I know I can do it again. And that's awesome. And like, I'm sitting there, and like I watched them move, and then I watched a spike elk walk up to where they had been, mm-hmm. and like take a leak, and uh, and it was just it was great. And then they came back, and so we're like we're hiking out, and like it's a six mile pack out, and like every step was awesome, you know, like super heavy heavy pack, but like every step I'm like, dude, this is so great, and I was like, you know, I don't pray a lot, and I was like, God, if we could just beat Notre Dame too, today would be the best day ever. <laughs> And we get to the truck at like 11:45 at night. And like we're driving out of the canyon, and my phone lights up. I got like a hundred texts, and I was like, "Oh, it's cool!" Like everybody's like, "Congrats, congrats!" And like I thought they were talking about the elk. And I was like, "Wait a minute, 
how the fuck does Chris Rosa know I shot an elk? Oh my God, we beat Notre Dame's ass. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, dude, it was just, it was an awesome, awesome day. It was an awesome hunt. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. And then like the next year <clears throat> we went on horseback uh, into the Selway Bitterroot and like, I hadn't been on a horse in 31 years. I got done when I was a kid and, yeah. and fuck horses. Um, shot one there, shot one at the Motherwell Ranch. Um, and then New Mexico last year, the one in New Mexico was kind of cool just because like I needed, um, like I had two bulls that were 360 plus and I, I literally needed four steps. I was like, you know, just give me four steps and I will, yeah, 300 wind mag, four steps, you're 100 yards, 115 yards away, and he wouldn't give me four. And then finally I was like, man, like I'll settle for two steps. Like I'll shoot through that brush. I don't give a shit. It's a 300 wind mag, man. Yeah. Shoot that fucking tree down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he wouldn't give it to me. And then we were backing out, dude, and he gave it like a late, like a last light bugle, like, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So, um, but yeah, and then so the you want to talk about that mule deer hunt. Uh, I just got back on. That was in Curtis, Nebraska. That was awesome. I've never understood why people, that was my third mule deer. I've never understood why people would go spot and stalk velvet muley bucks when you could be chasing elk. I've always been like, like, who would do that? Yeah. I understand now. I'll do that hunt every year. No, nah, I don't know. I'll definitely go back next year. Um, it was awesome. Curtis Sandhills of Curtis, Nebraska, which is like south, south, uh, southwest. And so um, we were uh, like, it's hard because the corn hadn't been harvested. And dude, like when, when I say they got a lot of corn in Nebraska, oh man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when, That's all corn fields. It's all corn. When we drove out there from PA out to Utah last year, I mean, we're driving through Iowa, then you hit Nebraska and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's the exact same thing every two minutes. Yeah, but what's interesting is like the corn that's irrigated, the stalks are like three inches apart. It's fascinating. Like they don't even have corn rows because they irrigate all the corn so they can grow so much out of it. Like it's, it's just, it's a mass. Um and so you'd see them like at first light and then you'd see them, you'd see them bedded a little bit in the middle of the day, some, and then you'd see them in the evening and saw a ton of coyotes, man, like a ton. And so first morning we're on this like sand hill and there's like draws running. So we're here, there's a massive dried up riverbed uh, below us and beautiful scenery. And, you know, I looked down and I was like, all right, there's a buck. Uh, and like, I'm looking through my binos. I've got loophole 1556s. And I was like, yeah, man, like, I don't know that he's a shooter. Like, you know, first morning shooter. And we're sitting there and like, I'm looking and looking and, you know, talking and like Derek, my camera guy, he's like, hey man, like, I was like, you know what I mean? Let's just get a little bit closer. So I get into like 45 yards on him. And like, as I got to like 200, I was like, I will shoot the shit out of this dude. <laughs> Cause like I said, I was like, you know, like when there's a little video clip on my Instagram, it's like, you know, they always say never pass on something the first day you'd shoot on the last day. And I was like, I would absolutely shoot that deer on the last day. And, um, I got inside of 45 yards on him and like he was behind a tree and he just moseyed on. And it was a big, big, huge, uh, four by three, really super palmated, like just an awesome deer. And then, Stalked, stalked into a young three by three, uh, totally across the property I was on. 
Um, he wasn't a shooter, so we backed out and then um, got back to where we were glass initially. And like Derek and I are just sitting there shooting the breeze. And um, I was like, and like I reached out and I was like, there's a coyote right there. And like I had a coyote come within like 15 yards of us when we were talking downwind. Okay. We were, we were, he was, he was up, like our, our scent was blowing right into his nose. Right. And I, Peter rolled him at 15 yards and then, um, that was exciting. And then that afternoon, um, called in like four, we were, the wind was wrong to where we were sitting and we were just kind of wasting time, just more scouting than anything. And mouth called in a big red coyote, um, inside of about 40 yards, but there was tons of coyotes that first day. And then, so, and then the second day, um, we are, uh, more of the same. And then finally the third day, third afternoon, we're sitting there and looking down and we keep seeing like these bucks, you know, four bucks, different, totally independent of each other, work their way up this draw 500 yards down to the left. Um, and I, I'm going to tell you it was 10 minutes, but it was more like five. And I was like, they're literally 75 yards behind us. Okay. And they're like, no, that's different deer. I was like, no, 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 that's that four by three. He's right there. They're like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to try to shoot him. <laughs> and so my range on this hunt was 50 yards. Okay. And I was like, I'm comfortable at 50. All right. Um, I, I just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. And like, just if you can shoot 80, a hundred at, you know, the target, like it, you know, the range, like it's different, you know, yep. uh, out in the field. And I was like, I'm going to 50 is the number. And so he was feeding right to us. And I, I, I like, I'm a very optimistic person and I always believe things are going to work out, you know, and mm-hmm. I throw that energy out there. And I was like, I was a hundred percent convinced I was going to shoot this deer at 10 feet. And he was going to walk right up to us that he was feeding right to us. I was like, Oh my God, he's literally coming to us. Yep. Then he got hung up <clears throat> um, at like 60. And I was like, I need to get to 50. I got to like 54 and the wind shifted a little. And he had this little hard horn forky with him and the hard horn forky uh, to blow it up. <laughs> yeah. He just got antsy and squirrely and his buddy was paying attention to him and they bounded off. I was like, shit. So we were just going to, they, they're not like totally boogered, but like a little, a little, little bit wonky. And um, so we're sitting there and like, they were down in the, in the bottom, that river bottom. And we were just going to let them get out of the way so we get back out. We didn't want to booger them anymore. And then all of a sudden they start trotting. They jumped over a fence and start trotting down the middle of the, the river, dried up riverbed. I was like, Hey man, like they're, they're bebopping their way down here. So I just shot down that draw that was below me and got on this little sand hill. Sure as shit, man. Like they just walked right out in front of me at 33 yards broadside. And I thought I was shooting a big four by three, but I actually shot the four by four. But hey, take it. It was late. Legal, yeah. still legal shooting hours. Yeah. Um, by like 10 minutes, but it, you know how, you yep. know, how that is with a bow. Yep. But, hey, man, I will tell you this. That deer ran, I'm going to say 20 yards. Just ran 10 and then up a little hill and got to the top of it. And there was no there was no blood in his body anymore. I'm not, I've never seen a deer empty this much blood in my entire life. What setup are you running? Uh, I shoot a PSC NXT. And I shoot... Eastern arrows. My arrow weight is 450 grains and I shoot 
I shot a mechanical. I'm not going to tell you the name of the mechanical. Um, I hate them. I hate mechanicals. But I was shooting a two-inch cutting blade, and I got really shitty penetration, but I hit the most important thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm going to shift down to one and a half. You're shooting the severs? Yeah. Yeah. That's we we've had success with severs mm-hmm. in the past and we're going to try to go, we're going fixed blade this year just for the heck of it and give them a, a run. But yeah, we've had a pretty good success with severs. I'm yeah, I'm go, I'm, I'm a, I just don't. So with my PSE, I've got two new bows on the way. Okay. Um, with the, the PSE in the garage right now, I'm that's I'm switching that to a, a two blade, a fixed blade yeah. like with two of a, a stinger with, with bleeder blades. Yep. I've, I've killed a ton of stuff with it. I've just had a lot of success with those things. Right. Um, the new bows, I will run the severs for sure, but I got to get one and a half because the two inches with the setup I have on my PSE, um, it just eats too much of that kinetic energy, that, that wide, that open cutting space. And like, I think a lot of people get like hung up with like, you know, marketing and like they see these massive holes. And if you don't have the right arrow weight and the right arrow speed and all that stuff, man, and like, you don't have the right energy transfer, like it's just not going to work. Right. Like, like John Dudley or one of my best friends, Jamie Shower, they, they're six, five. They can shoot whatever they want. Yep. Five ten, twenty nine 29 inch draw. I can't shoot whatever I want. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. For this week's Vortex Nation highlight, let's talk about silencing your gear. Growing up, this was a foreign language to me because my dad had all the stands prepped or made from some old wood. As I started to venture out on my own, I remember getting my first climber and taking it to a spot to practice, and remember how I sounded like a cow wearing a bell around its neck as I even walked to the tree to get on to practice. That is when I knew something had to give, and I went home and looked up what type of things people were using, and now... We have stealth strips, hockey tape, and other companies making all different types of silence and tape, all which are great. The key is to find that noise, put some tape on it, and get it silenced. That way you don't blow out the deer before the hunt even begins. Hey, just so you know, Jamie was texting me yesterday, and he was telling me that he's the better uh, dove shot. Jamie can shoot a shotgun better than me. Yeah, that's what he was saying. Um, yeah, Jamie. No, Jamie can shoot. Yeah, Jamie shoots ducks, but not <laughs> not ducks. Jamie, Jamie doesn't hold a candle to me shooting ducks. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, he can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a little redneck ass. <laughs> that's what rednecks do. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, he's shot one's head off last year um, at ten feet. It was awesome. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, no, Jamie. Jamie can. Jamie's good. Well, cause Jamie's family um, has a place in Bolivia. Like he's shot. Jamie has probably killed. This this, this is no bullshit. Jamie's probably shot fifty thousand doves in his life. That's a ton. No, like, no, no, hold on, hold on. Like, like that. That's a true story. I'm not. I I will I will bet an arm. He's shot over twenty five thousand. Like I'll I'll bet my my left arm on that. Have you ever gone into ducks? Ducks? Yeah. No. No. Geese. I've hunted geese once. Okay. So when I lived north of Seattle, like that's I duck hunting. That was my jam. That was my thing, man. I love it. Baker, what what got you into hunting? Because like you said, you've you've hunted all over the place. I know you you you've done a lot with powerlifting and football. Like where did that is a know? great question? And I hunted. I taught myself to hunt when I was fifteen. Okay. 
And I hunted because that is what dudes that were really athletic that lived in the South that were tough as fuck did. I like that. That's pretty. Yeah. That's a good excuse. I, I wish some of our kids could take that nowadays. Listen, listen to me. I fucking hated it. Yeah. I fucking hated hunting the first few years because, like, I just I didn't have I couldn't sit still in a stand. Mm-hmm. That's every I hate, young. I, I hated kid. it. Like I do. Like I couldn't. I despised it. I liked going to the farm. I liked hanging out. I liked getting dressed up. I did not like waking up early. But I liked sitting in a stand, like, in the afternoons, I was cool. Like, I didn't mind that as much as, like, as long as I could see deer. But, like, those mornings when you sit in a stand and you don't see anything, that was pure, absolute torture. Yeah. Absolute torture. Um, and now it's one of my favorite things in the world to do. But, like, I did it because I was supposed to. You know, it's like, that's why, that's why dudes in the South do a lot of stuff. It's because they're supposed to. Like, um, yeah, man, I hated it, but I grew to love it. And, like... My dream was always to hunt in Africa growing up because of mutual of Omaha and the wild kingdom. Like that was what I wanted to do. Okay. And I've done that a lot And like, um, getting success and like figuring shit out on your own. And like, when I was 15, man, like I rolled up, it was day before Thanksgiving at our farm in Sylvania. And I just hopped in the Honda Accord. I was 16, hopped in the Honda Accord and, um, drove out to our farm at like five thirty. You know, some setting at six, the dark at six or whatever. I didn't know. And I just <laughs> I, I, I had a bar to thirty out six with a Bushnell three by uh three by nine scope on it from someone and walked up to a fence post and uh saw some deer walking out in the field and put it on the fence post and put the crosshairs and let it rip and the deer ran off and I was like, well, fuck, I missed. I thought he's like, you know, you shot him, they fell over dead. <laughs> Not the case. And so we went, we walked down to where I shot it and didn't see a deer and we turned around and walked back, <laughs> got in the truck and drove back to the house and I was like, yeah, I shot a deer, I missed it. I thought I missed it, you know, and they're like, oh, we'll check it in the morning. So Next morning, we're out in the field looking around, and all of a sudden, like, we just walked up on this doe in the field. And I was like, oh, my God. And at that point, my grandfather had given up and was driving back out of the field. I was like, oh, my God. It was me and my brother. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, go get Tom. That's what we call our grandfather. Uh, And my brother takes off running, and he goes, oh, my God, here's another one. And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) So my first deer... I ever killed it was a big old fat doe with a yearling doe behind it that I didn't see. And I was a 30 out six shooting 165 grain silver tip Winchester ammo. And that silver tip popped off and went in and cracked that yearling doe behind it and it died that night. Oh you know. But but hey, hey, listen. But the doe, the first doe had an exit hole the size of a softball. Oh my god. Flew its heart out of it. And it ran, dude, it ran a hundred yards. It's unbelievable. Like, so that's my first experience, uh, deer hunting. And like, I taught myself and, and then like, I just, you know, I always thought like adventure was kind of cool and going places and doing stuff. And so I just, it's how I've recreated, you know, most of my life. Like I went through a phase where I went surfing a lot. Like, um, I surfed, I've surfed a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, and I kind of took a break from hunting a little bit. And then when I was at NYU and I lived in New York city, I probably took about five years off from hunting. 
So I have been hunting consistently probably like 20, 25 years of my life. 30 sounds better, but like, yeah, three decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said like deer, pigs, all everything that flies, ducks, turkeys, geese. I've been to Africa. I've been to Central America. I've been to South America. I've been to Australia. Um, I've had, I've had a lot of fun, but like, that's one thing, like by doing a bunch of different stuff, you figure out what you like. Yeah. And ultimately, ultimately, this is how people are like I've always wondered how people in like South Dakota, how did anyone say, Hey man, unhitch the horses, unload the wagons. We're going to build a home here in South Dakota or North Dakota. I mean, dude, it's fucking cold there. Like that's a crazy, crazy place. Um, and what, what I learned was that people migrate along lines of latitude. Okay. Societies migrate. So if you, you, if you track, people and origins and back, you can usually pretty much draw a straight line back to where they're from, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and the same, in my opinion, goes for people that like, you know, someone that grows up in Georgia or Kentucky or PA and they move out West or they move somewhere else. There's always the rest of your life going to be a draw to come home. Like you'll have people that move away for five, 10, 15, 20 years eventually there they will come not not necessarily home but back to that region back to that area so for me i'm from savannah i left savannah in 2009 and i moved to new york and from new york i went to washington state and then from washington i went to texas i was always pulled back not home because i left savannah with a really shit taste in my mouth i'll never move back there but where i am now with melissa and what we have and what i have with her i couldn't duplicate it if I, if you gave me a billion dollars, I couldn't do better than I'm doing right now. So like, I'm this, this is, I'm three hours from my mother. Like I'm back. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, there's no pull or yearning to like go home. Cause I am home now. But I think, um, ultimately the same thing kind of can be applied to hunting. I just like hunting whitetails in the South, man. Every year for the rest of my life that I'm physically capable, I will kill one elk. I'm going to do it. I'll always do a Western elk come out West. Um, but man, like the days of me, like going all, I'll go back to Africa. I think I'm going to, we're going to go back this summer. I'm going to take Melissa. She's never been, but we'll go back to Africa this summer. But like the days of me, like running all over hell's half acre and, you know, hunting in nine States in a single season. No, no more. No, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. I, I no think I, I like the idea of just, you know, going back to your bread and butter of the whitetail and, you know, what's your, when is your favorite time to hunt your whitetail like down South? Cause it's different for us up here a little bit. Uh, I like, I like early season. Okay. I do enjoy early season whitetail because your bucks are still together and you can still see a little bit more and they're a little bit dumber. They're not as super educated. They don't necessarily know what's going on. And especially in the South because it's super hot that time. So the hunting pressure is less because it's hot, hot here, man. Um, I like when you can start seeing bucks during the day. When they come off that nocturnal pattern, mm-hmm. little pre-rut. I I don't necessarily love the rut because they're like they're, our farm in Georgia, like they're running nonstop, like a striped ass gorilla, you know, and you <laughs> can't see them a lot because mm-hmm. they're in and out of like you, you know. But like I, I like 
I like I like that pre rut when you're like you can you know some shit it's it's on it's about to turn on, and you see bucks tending does and you see them kind of hanging out. So it's funny last night. So we have a gym here, and Melissa sent me a video from in front of the gym. There's this little grass field, and there was this buck standing there, just like this, <laughs> at attention, looking that way, and I was like. She sent me a couple of videos. It's like, yeah, is there, there's a doe in front of him off camera. She's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, he's tending. Yeah. I mean, he just add attention, you know, full attention. So the rut's going on right now in Florida. Um, or not hasn't started, but it's about to kick off. But like, I, that's when I like it because everyone starts getting excited and you know, there's going to be a lot more people hunting. You're going to start seeing more deer at the processor, more bucks at the processor. And like, every, there's a vibe. And like I was saying, like, I really enjoy hunting with friends and stuff. There's a vibe during the rut when everyone's positivity level and, and optimism hits a hits a peak. Right. That's what I like. You because because of the community and the culture. Yeah. Like that's when I enjoy that. I feed off of that. But like me personally, um, there's just I like it when it's a little bit colder here in the south. And like to the point where you're sitting in the scene, like, man, I'm a little bit fucking chilly, man. Yeah. And then that first ray of sun pops up and then it's you know, the, the inversion and it gets cold for a second. And then that ray of sun hits your ass. And you're like, Oh, that <laughs> feeling in the world. You know what I'm talking about? You yeah. guys live in cold. Water. Yeah. There becomes a time for us like in October. And when November starts to hit, I feel like there's a day in November. I, what would you say? Like the eighth for us. And that's when we're like, okay, if we don't make it happen now, that's when the stress level goes up a little bit higher mm-hmm. because you know, once gun season rolls around, it's just, the orange army's out and it just gets a little bit more difficult and these bucks get kind of a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say nocturnal, but it becomes, you know, a little bit more difficult to chase them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're smart. smart. They yeah. know. They know shit's going on. Yeah. Um, especially Southern whitetails. Like I tell people, if you can, if you can identify and successfully harvest and kill a mature Southern whitetail with a bow, you can hunt any animal on the, in, on this continent. I believe that mm-hmm. they're the most skittish animals. They run from each other. <laughs> if you've got deer, if you've got deer in a, in, a, in a field in this corner and deer walk up in the other corner, they will run like a, like a fucking ambulance is driving through the woods. It's crazy. Like, dude, that's your friends. Like what, what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Where are you going? Yeah. Like, what are you running from? That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, we've got, um, I'm, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like I, 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 I haven't let myself, get in whitetail mode yet just because like i did the nebraska hunt and then i did um i'm leaving tomorrow at six o'clock to go to colorado for the elk yep like i'm I'm just i'm 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 trying to like temper that excitement just so it doesn't become a distraction and then like when i get back from colorado it'll be on like donkey Kong. absolutely now where don't you are you managing land somewhere like with jamie or anything yeah, so uh, Mr. Jamie's dad has a place in Americas that's 2,500 acres, and, and I refer to it as our farm. Um, I, that's where I hunt. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we do a bunch of stuff there. That's awesome. And he has the hunting, hunting recruitment project, which is awesome, and I know you help you know, out with that. that. Yeah, that's yeah. ours. Yeah, that's awesome stuff, man. I love it. Now, we, we had Jamie on month, uh, last spring, wasn't it? Uh, it's a yeah. couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, quite, a, quite a while ago, but you know, Jamie's a good dude. I loved having him on great. You know, that was a fun episode to do and uh, talking to him and 
mentioning your name about, you know, the things you guys do and hunt together and all that stuff. So it's, it's good stuff. We've had a lot of fun. Like, um, we've had some interesting trips. Like we've done, um, we've 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 had some really fun stuff like Bolivia, Africa, several times. Um, he was telling me about the, uh, uh, you pulling something out of a, out of a lake in Africa. Oh yeah, Michael's kudu. Yeah. <laughs> That's the craziest shit ever. That that is like so we're sitting in a in a it's I'll call it like a tower blind, but it's like kind of an open air elevator. It's an elevated blind. It's probably 10 15 feet in the air. And we're sitting over this massive waterhole, which we would call a lake. Yeah. <laughs> and um so we're sitting there and like I just kind of look behind me and there's like, you know, just brush and thorns and just all kinds of crazy shit and boab trees and all this stuff. And like, I just kind of look behind me and like, I caught a glint and the sun's like right in my face when I look behind me and I caught a glint of something. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, I said, is there, there's a kudu behind the blind, isn't there? And he's like, no. And I was like, no, there is. I, I'm like, I can see his black horns. He's like, how in the fuck did you see that? And I was like, I, I don't know. The sun bounced off of him and blinded me, but like, I, I don't know, but there's a kudu. And we sat there cause it, it sat dead still like a buck in a staging area. Mm-hmm. They just stand there. And, <clears throat> um, he didn't move for 30 minutes. And like, we just sat there and we didn't move either. And then I was like, he's not a shooter. He's not a shooter. Is he? No, there's no, way he's a shooter. Definitely not a shooter. And then all of a sudden he started moving and I was like, yeah, there's no way that's a shooter. And I was like, wait a minute. No, dude, that's a, that's three spirals. That's a fucking beast. Smoke that thing. When he comes in this, it, it hopefully comes in the opening. That's definitely a shooter. So he's, he finally enters the area and Michael, I'm sitting like this and Michael's got to shoot over my ear and he's freaking out. And I was like, listen, man, I'm not fucking moving. You're going to shoot that arrow beside my head. I'm going to experience all of this. Now, granted, I had this eye closed tighter than the well diggers ass, but, uh, I wanted to see it. And so he had to like kind of three quarters squat down and he was weirded out because the arrow was like right here and he gut shot the shit out of it. <laughs> and so we walked down there and it was, I mean, you could, the sound, you're like, that's a fucking gut shot. And we walked down there and pick up the arrow and it smells like butthole. And, uh, <clears throat> I looked at Dries and I was like, Hey man, what are the chances of us finding this thing. He goes, if we can get lady, which is the tracking dog, if we can get lady here in 15 minutes, we'll find it. Cause sometimes something like that, mm-hmm. they'll think it's like a wasp or something stinging. And somehow they got lady there in 10 minutes from like 27 miles away. I don't know how they did it. I have no idea how they did it. Cause these aren't paved roads. These are dirt. Like this, oh man, it's crazy. So, and normally in Africa, when you track something, they don't track blood, they track, they track prints. Okay. 
because there's so many thorns and stuff and the animal's hide is so thick and it clots up really fast and they'll rub it on stuff. It's, it's, it's like nothing you've ever seen. And so, um, normally you walk a hundred yards or whatever, and then like the dog will cut a track and start barking and stuff. And like, it take, gives you a second to get kind of warmed up and you know, you're walking and all of a sudden she lit off, lit off immediately. And so we just take off sprinting through the brush. And when I say sprinting, I'm talking like college level athleticism. Like you're, we're running wide ass open, getting our clothes torn to shit back anyway. And then all of a sudden the, we, she stops barking and we're like sprinting through the woods. All of a sudden we hear her from where we just came behind us. So that kudu would circle back. All right. And Michael and Drees went that way. And I snatched a rifle out of the other, the fat PH's hand. And I went that way. Okay. So they go this way. I went this way. I entered this clearing right by the waterhole, which is a lake. And I just went, what in the fuck is going on? And that kudu is in the middle of the lake. Lady is on the other side of the bank, opposite of me, baying and barking and going completely insane. And Drees, I hear Drees, he goes, shoot him in the shoulder. And all of a sudden I hear this 308 crack off, whacks it in the shoulder. It goes down. Lady enters the lake, swims out there, attacks it. And the next thing you know, Lady is standing on top of a kudu attacking (laughs) in the lake. (laughs) And so I was like, dude, there's no way I'm missing out on this. So I took my boots off and jumped in and swam out there. That's cool, man. And swam it back in. What, uh, with Black Rifle Coffee Outdoors, with what you got going on there, mm-hmm. I know you're full time right now with Black Rifle mm-hmm. and, and everything you got going on. I like, I heard you say, I forget where I heard, heard it a while ago you say, but like you had this idea, you know, why... Where where do you see Black Rifle Coffee outdoors going, and like what made you kind of start put pushing the edge, like with Ev and them, with you know shooting the bow a couple of years ago and all that stuff? Oh, um, so purely selfish reasons. If my the more friends of mine that do the things that I like to do, the more fun stuff I get to do. Um, <laughs> that's a true story, man. Yeah, um, that, that's one hundred percent. I bought them their first bows because I wanted I wanted them shooting bows. I wanted them hunting, you know, I wanted them doing cool shit and I wanted to be the one to help facilitate that, um, their re-entry into the hunting space. And so like, I've been planting seeds, man, for years. And, um, you know, Evan is brilliant at what he does and he knows how to cultivate these great relationships and, you know, stuff like that. And, um, it's been mutually beneficial for everyone that's been involved, but like it was time to expand into an additional vertical Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Hey man, the time's now. He's like, no, I, you're right. I agree. And I was like, I want it. It's mine. I want, I want, it's gotta be me. He goes, if anyone's earned the right, it's you. You're hundred percent correct. Who else would it be right. other than you? So, um, where do I see black rifle going? So in the hunting and outdoor space, like, um, I, I don't know. I, I can't, I can answer part of that, but I can't answer part of that yeah. question. Um, I, I want to see it a massive presence in the outdoor space um, where we practice what we preach. 
and we're not just like bullshitting our way through it. Um, everybody, like all the lots and there's a ton of people in our company that hunt. Evan just left uh, Colorado chasing elk. He's in Utah chasing elk right now. Logan shot. Logan was chasing mule deer in uh, southern Arizona, then rolled right into Utah and smoked a three thirty bull with his bow first morning. Yep. Um, Trevor Trevor has Trevor shot an elk in Utah. Just rolled up a pronghorn antelope today. Spot and stalk. Sweet. Um, so uh, Shay shot his first elk <clears throat> after four solo attempts in Colorado. <clears throat> Marty shot his first elk. Edwin, Neil, like I think we've put as a company. 12 elk down so far this year. Jeez. Um, and Isaac senior put out down that caribou up in Alaska. Yeah. He's, he's hunting elk right now at Fred Eichler's place. Yeah. He said, it's too hot. And I said, you need to think like Cedric, the entertainer said, but white people think because <laughs> we go back and forth because he's Hispanic. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, you need to be more hopeful. And so like, he starts to text me all these funny ass jokes. Cause Cedric, the entertainer is the one that invented it. He said, white people, They'll come to a show and they'll say, I hope no one is sitting in our seats. And he said, you know, black people, they come to a show and they wish. And that's where I wish a motherfucker would was invented. Was it the original Kings of Comedy in Charlotte, North Carolina, back in, uh, back, way back in the day. Cedric the Entertainer. He's like, yeah, man. I remember that show and I was like, yeah. I was like, you got to think like white people. Be hopeful. And he, was yeah. like, and he started laughing and I think it cheered him up. And yeah. it's just super hot where he is right now. And he'll... um. He'll get it done. Yeah. Dimitri and I were saying for next year, because how we went out to Utah last year, we talked to Junior and Junior's like, come on out. We'll we'll chase some muleys out in, in Utah or try to do something. So, and then kind of reciprocated and he's like, we'll, co- we'll come up in, uh, during a rifle season up here in PA. So we'll, we're going to try to do something like that the next year or two. Are y'all allowed to hunt with like rifles or do you have to use like shotguns with slugs? It's, it's rifle. How many deer are y'all allowed to kill? Well, this year we're allowed to carry. Uh, well, th- you can basically get up to six, six doe tags. So you know, one buck tag, you could get up to six doe tags. So technically, this year seven deer. Okay, so y'all. Okay, so y'all get after yeah. So in Georgia, it's twelve, ten bucks, uh, ten, uh, two bucks, and ten does. Okay, and then if you have if you have agriculture, you can get depredation tags. Like, I would like to know how many states like are you only allowed like the one buck. It just seems like every, every more or any more that I talk Washington to people state is that way. It, there's not, there's not a lot of States. I don't think anymore where it's just yeah, one, but like it's usually well, two hey, bucks hey, or hey, dude, no, no, no. Some States it's no bucks. Like you got to draw. Yeah, true. Well, like, yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm saying more so like in Nevada last year, they killed less than 10,000 deer. I mean, that's Georgia's half a million, you know, Pennsylvania half, probably more than that. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, there's, uh, there, so like in Washington state, man, like you have to pick the weapon you're going to use bow, muzzle loader or rifle, and you can't down hunt. So if you're a rifle, you can't hunt with a bow. You can only hunt with a rifle. Interesting. And then you got to pick which side of the state it's going to be. And then you got to pick if it's going to be a white tail or mule deer, black tail. They make it extremely, extremely challenging. Yeah, so you got to know. You, yeah, you got to really know your uh, rules and all that type of stuff too. Oh, dude, it's it's miserable. I think the elk success in Washington State is six percent, and the deer success is twelve percent. Do you imagine going out and have? And this is even if you have a rifle. Imagine having a twelve percent success rate. Wow, 
hunting a deer with a with a with a gun. Yeah, not fun. I our biggest thing is uh, we everybody always laughs about is you need a degree to try to fill out your dough tag around here because if we use these pink envelopes and mailing them in you got to make sure you have your stamp or your address on to check who would it's just to county treasurer it's not to the county treasurer where you're sending it to to get it and it's all crazy man it's bonkers i i truly believe in my heart of hearts that they have really good intentions when they make it complicated so you have to pay more attention to what you're doing yeah i want to believe that yeah but ultimately it's the government organization and i really believe that most people in the government are dumbasses and it's probably just stupidity, but I like to hope and, and you know be hopeful, like I tell Isaac to be, that it's they're just trying to make it a little more complicated, so you have to pay more attention and be more read more about it. Yeah, uh, Baker. One more thing before we go, just because you shared a, awesome stories and insight. You know, I love your mindset about where just about a lot of different things, but you know, we have individuals no matter what we're doing. Obviously, we're we're a hunting podcast, but we're mm-hmm. you know we're husbands, we're we're fathers and teachers and workers, all this type of stuff, but, you know, we love to hunt, you know, what's an, some advice or words of wisdom when like shit just gets crazy or you get down on yourself to kind of kick out of it. Just cause you said you're kind of that hopeful and things will work out, you do know, the, do the right thing. Always do the right thing. You'll never, ever get in trouble, but you'll never have regret for doing the right thing. Um, that's kind of this big kick I've been on lately is like, like with that Gabby Petito girl that got killed, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, Melissa and I were talking about it the other night, and it's like someone knew that that guy was a fucking psychopath. A lot of people knew it, and they knew the shit was fucked up, and they knew he was abusive, and they knew she was miserable. They knew she wasn't happy, but they didn't do anything. Right. How many people are regretting not standing up? Like his parents, her parents. It's like, my little girl's dead because I was too much of a fucking coward or too lazy or maybe even worse, a lazy coward to stand up and say, Hey man, daughter, you can't see him anymore. He's bad news. Right. Or something like that. Um, but like you to give you a very specific answer. So like when people get down on themselves and they get shit's not going right, they get depressed happens to me all the time. Dude. Like I, I promise you, like, I was in a, sh- I, w- I woke up in the middle of the night pissed off last night, 3.36. I went to the bathroom. I got back to bed and I started thinking about something that was irritating me from the day before. And, and, and then I rode my bike this afternoon and I'm still mad about the thing that was irritating me. And ultimately the thing that was irritating me, it's my fault because I know how to solve that problem. I just have to address it. And so a lot of times, like whatever your situ, whatever your shitty situation is, most of the time, it's your fault. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time, it's it, you're you you created the situation. But once you find yourself in a shitty situation, let's say you have made some type of mistake, or you've done something, or didn't do something that has put you in kind of a crap situation that you know you're. you're it's bothering you, you're irritated. You just have to address shit because if you let it fester, and that's what most of us do, and this is including me, mm-hmm. and you let shit fester, it builds and builds and builds, and then it becomes turns into something massive. When all you had to do was address it three fucking days ago, but no, you freaked yourself out. <laughs> You've gotten yourself really worked up about some shit, and that dude, and like 
that happened. That happened to me a lot. Um, like with like Logan and stuff, you know, Black Rifle or, 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 or Molly, you know, it's like, I don't, I'm, I, I, try, I like to think of myself as a very considerate person and I don't want to bother people because I'm very considerate of other people's time, especially when they're busy and I know who they are and what they do. So like Molly and Logan are super busy and I just don't want to be a distraction. So what I'll do is I'll just fucking ignore a problem or just slide it to the side and I'll get to it later or I'll deal with it or I'll try to work my way through it or whatever. But like, that's not how you solve problems. Right. That's not how problems get solved. What that does is that manifests shit and festers it. And then you get all freaked up and like, I'm pissed off and I'm mad at one of them or I think that they're, you know, ignoring something. And it's like, wait a minute, holy fuck. They don't even know I'm, they don't even know I have a fucking problem right now. So I didn't fucking tell them. I didn't tell them that something is bothering me or I didn't tell them that something I'm not getting the response I want or whatever. Right. They don't know what's in my head because I haven't fucking told them. (laughs) Um, So like there's just, there's a like, I don't know. The older I get, like, you know, I used to, I'm 45 years old and I used to dread, like I used to think like, I remember uh, I wear hearing aids and like uh, my hearing sucks. Hearing aids is great. I mean, I'm, I can function without them. It's just it makes life easier. And I remember they were like, they were like, you have the hearing pattern of a deaf person. Like you'll be deaf when you're like 30. When I was like a little kid, and I was like, holy shit, people live that long, you know? And like yeah. now here I am, 45. But like <clears throat> with with age comes wisdom and experience. And I think that's one of the more interesting things. It's that that is the most exciting shit in the world to me is how much wiser I am now than I used to be. And like I love giving advice and helping people out and answering questions like this, but like it's pretty rad, man. Like because I all the stuff that like I talk about, I've been through that. And like I was the fucking horse's ass. Like I've 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 spent a lifetime getting in and out of trouble. Not and that's more of a saying than reality, like not like bad trouble, but like just doing dumb shit like everybody else. I just have always had a knack to of getting learning from the trouble I got myself into and getting myself out of it, you know? And yeah. like I've made millions of dollars. I've lost millions of dollars. I've spent an ungodly fucking amount of money in my lifetime on stupid shit. <laughs> um, like, you know, dude, like I am talking like a criminal level of money on dumb shit. Um, but I always try to find the positive in everything that I do and everything that happens. And like, I, I try to take something away from every situation, whether it's positive or negative, And I try to learn from that. Um, and like, I'm, you know, like I always tell people, like, there's nothing you're going to do really before the age of 35, aside from like murdering a person and going to jail, that's really going to change the trajectory of your life. Like, I mean, like I didn't really, really get my shit together until probably tell us like 40. Like, so I, like, there's hope. <laughs> no, no, I mean like I, I had some experiences like, and I, like I, I started some companies and sold some, but like, and I, and you know, financially I, I, I'd been pretty successful up to that point, but like I've also lost like millions of dollars. Like, I mean like 15 million bucks in between 2008, 2011 in real estate. Like I lost everything I had and I had to start over. And that's, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow, dude. So like when you're, when you're at the top of the mountain and you are the fucking baddest dude in your town, 
where I lived, like in the real estate game, like I was pretty damn important. That was a big deal, especially at such an early age. And then like, everyone's like, Oh my, you know, you look up to you and people think you're the man and all this cool shit and making more money you ever thought existed. And then all of a sudden all that goes away. And it didn't, it didn't trickle away from me. Like it didn't go away like over years, like it went away that night. And I felt sorry for myself for 48 hours. And the one thing on this planet, if you want me to beat your ass, if you want me to get on a plane and find you and beat you up, um, feel sorry for me or like think that I'm stupid or question my intelligence or talk to me as if I'm a dumb person. Like I'm your child. Like, Oh, we'll take care of that. Santa Claus will bring that for you. You know what I mean? Yep. Like those are some things that really drive me crazy. And like, I felt sorry for myself for about 48 hours. I'd lost everything. And then I was just like, what fucking good is this going to do? This isn't going to solve any problems. That's a, that's a good piece of advice I would give anybody. I, I've talked for, I've answered your question for literally eight minutes and I can answer. Let me, let me start over. Stress and anxiety do not do anything on this planet to solve the situation that you're in. Like if anyone, I would love someone to point out to me the benefits to stress and anxiety. What do they do? It's like when someone's like super tired and they're doubled over. Yep. There's no oxygen down there. You dumbass. Stand up and open your lungs up. It's the same thing with like stress and anxiety. Like what does stress do to help solve the, or alter the current situation that you're in? It does nothing. People dread me. Him and the hell. Oh my God. Oh my God. Get to fucking work. Get to work. If you're really down and out, go for a walk, change scene, go talk to Pete, someone go for a jog. Uh, go to a coffee shop and just start talking to a fucking stranger. Get your mind off of it. Hit the reset button. That alleviates stress. Then go back and solve your problem. But like just sitting around worrying about shit, that doesn't fucking do a damn thing. Right. No, man, you're right. And that's big. It's huge. I, I'm glad because I feel like last year at this time we had Bert Soren on and he kind of mm-hmm. gave, we asked kind of something, a similar type of question. And Bert kind of, we said when you're, when the rut's kicking in gear and you feel like, man, this isn't going to happen and shit sucks. I'm freezing and everybody's mad at me in my house because all I'm doing is hunting and you know, everything else is going kind of wrong. He kind of gave us the, the kind of same speech and that's, that's what we're looking for. So that's awesome. Everything can change in a, in a quarter beat of a second. Yep. Your life can change your life, your life, my life can change in a quarter beat of a second. And Evan Hafer says you can change a plan as fast as you can change your underwear. And the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, they have a saying that only a donkey refuses to change his plan. Yeah. So, like, adapt, <laughs> figure shit out. Just, I think fear, intimidation scares a lot of people. Yeah, like people are, A lot of people are just scared of stuff. Yep. I'm not scared of shit. I'm literally not. Like, I'm, there's, I, 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 failure, I'm scared of failure, but I've failed. Um, I, you know, I, scared of being like a shitty son and like, I haven't been a great son. I'm doing, you know, a lot better, you know? And like, I think, you know, a lot of people can say like, Oh, you know, I call your mom. That's a great piece of advice. Call your fucking mother. Go talk to your fucking mom. If you're having a shitty day, that that's what we're going to do. That's the new protocol. If you're having a shitty day and you're stressed out, call your fucking mother and talk about something funny from your childhood, something super positive, you know? If they start bitching at you for not fucking calling enough, (laughs) 
I'm on the phone with you now. Shut up. Yeah. My mom did it the other day. Like I called her like three times in like in one week. And like, and then I went a week without calling her. And then I called her the other day and like, she started complaining about something. She's like, you live three hours away and you never come back. I was like, I was at your house two weeks ago. I was like, more importantly, I was like, why would I want to come see you if you're going to complain about this? <laughs> and she goes, you're crazy. Hung up on me. That's funny. Uh, so when do you guys start hunting? So we start, well, technically two, three units in the state of Pennsylvania are already open, but the statewide okay. is October 2nd. So Dimitri and I are like chomping at the bit. We're actually right before we got on, we're, we're just talking about, Hey, Monday, we're going to go out after work to go pull some cameras and kind of do one, one more, one more little scouting trip just to kind of verify and solidify what maybe that opening day could possibly be or that opening week. Right. to work and stuff like that but we'll hit the ground running and you know hopefully we can between the two of us we have at least nine tags around that i would say i have three you have three i have four so there's seven and then ian probably has like all six taken <laughs> care our buddy ian that we, we that uh-huh. hunts with us so we'll be going out hunting we'll be, not, be trying to knock them down and uh who knows if if we get done early because we put in the work. Our buddy Mike is up in New York, and we might go rifle hunting with him this year. And he's got a couple of nice big deer on on camera up, up at his property. So we're excited. We're we're gonna try to get after it the best we can and just have fun. Last year we put too much pressure on ourselves, and it's gonna be all. Let's just get back to why we just. That's have the fun. thing, man. Like, don't let someone else's expectation. Don't. So like, don't let a hypothesis fuck you up so a lot of people are like yeah man like you know we have a hunting podcast people expect us to right. people don't expect you to do fuck all man like they're too busy living their own lives like a lot of people think that way they're like yeah man you know just a lot of pressure and i was like pressure from what? 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 Yep. what what do you mean what, do you, what, what kind of pressure what are you talking about and that's what you said dimitri right away mm-hmm. absolutely and it's just, just go have fun. Just, there's nothing to, it's in our own head. You know what I mean? And we, once we threw that out the door, it was pure fun. And I shot a no, late season doe and it was great. Yeah. But like go out and like do it the right way mm-hmm. and like focus on like people ask me all the time, like we're starting a company or some you know consulting advice or whatever. And it's like, focus on quality. And like, I, I had a new saying today that was really good on, on the call. And I told someone, I said, it's better to get it right than to get it done. Cause this guy's like a box checker. Mm. And I was like, Hey man, like you're rushing to check this box. And I said, I, what I'm going to, I said, I like people to talk to me the way I talk to them. I say, I want to be spoken to the way I'm going to talk to you the way that I want you to talk to me. And he goes, what do you think about this branding video? I said, it should never be seen in public by anyone ever. How can you permanently delete this from the, from the stratosphere? This is horrible. No one wants to see this. No one likes it. This is awful. He's like, what, what, what do you not like? I was like, there's nothing. Better question is what would I like? And there's nothing about it I like. And I was like, it, you don't, you're, you're, yes, you have a brand video box checked, but is it the right thing? No, it's a piece of shit. Don't rush to failure. So that's my thing. It's like just my hunting season, man, like this is my goal. Well, I want to shoot a really big bull in Colorado. I, I, that's my, that is, that's a size goal. I don't do that. But the rest of the season, dude, I want to commit as, as few mistakes as I possibly can in the field. I like that. I don't give a shit if I shoot anything. 
I just want to hunt better. You know what I mean? Yep. Like focus on when <clears throat> I want to make good stand selection decisions, like d- decisions. Like I don't want to rush shit. Like, Oh, I, and like the whole, like hoping some shit will work out. Fuck that. No, no, no. You want These it to work out. Animals, dude. Like, like that's not how it works in the whitetail game. Like you can get away with a lot in other species, whitetails. No, like, if the wind's wrong, I'm not going to get in that stand. I'm going to go get in the stand. Even 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 if I'm not really seeing great stuff on camera, I'm going to hunt the right stands. I'm going to hunt the right wind. I'm, I'm going to – that's my – and, like, I already started that because I've been shooting my bow a shitload. Um, super confident in my bow shot right now. Um, Good for you. Well, and I switched to left-handed last year. Oh, okay. I'm, I've shot right-handed my whole life. My, my range of motion in my left shoulder is so bad I had to switch to – left-handed I'm left-eye dominant too so it wasn't that it was easy but like um I was I was going to hunt out uh public land uh big velvet muley bucks in Arizona with big chino last year and five days before I left I got a left-handed bow and I was like hey man I need you to set this up he goes when are you leaving I said Thursday he goes next Thursday I said no Thursday a couple days he goes it's Monday I was like yeah I know you can do it I believe in you um so just super confident right now in, in my, in my, my bow game. And, um, yeah, got, I'm excited to, I think it's going to be a good year. It's going to be really good. I'm excited, Like there's a lot going right right now. Um, especially at black rifle in the hunting space. There's a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, a lot of success and it's only September, man. Yep. Well, so the real fun hadn't started. Yep, exactly. We're, we're pumped, Baker. I best of luck to you this year. Hopefully, we can even do this again and um, you know sure. t- talk about all the the success that we're yeah by the end of the year that you'll have and everybody else will have on board. And dude, like, where could people find you if they're already not following you and f- seeing those Baker thoughts on uh, your story? I just had another one. God damn it and I forgot to write it down something was said on this and I was like that needs to go on the Baker thoughts and, yeah and I don't ever remember man like I mean, the, the shit that I think of that I don't write down yeah. oh my god it blow your mind like right now I got two and it's like what the fuck is Madonna's last name like why the fuck is it a secret <laughs> and then the second one is that Pizza Hut sucks like yeah. so Troy uh, he texted Melissa this morning that like nine he's like i really want pizza hut and um so i rode my road bike today and like got this good workout and like she texts me like it's 5 10 p.m she texts me and she's like troy and i want pizza do you want pizza i was like yeah absolutely but not right the second and they were at the gym and they came home and <clears throat> and she brought and it was pizza and i was like pizza hut like we live in florida man like we have real italians out you're italian like, what, you know and i'm in my head i'm like this pizza doing it. Yeah. She was at Troy one. I was like, all right, that's fine. And that shit, that was some shit ass pizza, man. Like <laughs> it's just, it's, just, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. terrible. He loved it. He loved it, which is fine. I, you know, <laughs> like we've got a couple really good pizza joints around here that make good pies, but like, I just, I hadn't had pizza. And it's just cause like my childhood memories, like the pizza Hut buffet, you know, and like the big <laughs> tall 32 ounce, like Coke. It's totally Coke different now Coke though. Glass. Yeah. If you want to be on the bathroom for the next probably 48 hours, you'll eat Pizza Hut. I have a very strong stomach. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm with you, though. I've got, like a, I've got a super, super badass stomach. So you're good with all those, uh, the dry, the, the good dried meals out there. 
You could ha- hammer those out in the back country. Yeah, dude, like, listen, man, like, I have worked my ass off in this life, and I don't eat that shit. Like, I, I don't, it's not, yeah. it's not the way I roll. Yeah. I've eaten plenty of them. You know, you know what's crazy about these things, man? Like, the fucking sodium content. Oh, man, it's terrible. It's like, it's 2,000% of your daily allowance. It's literally 2,000, like, 2,500 milligrams of sodium. It's unbelievable. Like, Everyone that eats that shit snores because it just, you're, you're, you're I mean, just like, holy shit. Uh, dude, it's crazy. Um, I appreciate you, Baker. Best of luck to you. Safe travels. And you'll have a good one. And I will uh, just check out the Instagram and you'll see updates from how the elk hunt's going. Hell yeah, dude. All right, dude. I'll catch you later. Have a good one. Later, man. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. I would like to thank you so much for checking us out. Be sure to head over to antlerupoutdoors.com, our Facebook page, Instagram, YouTube. And until next time, best of luck to you in the woods and antler up.